0: Say it. somebody should Let's talk about two talk about one, yeah. You're asking the questions, that nobody could. Like where the bone in. in harmony? Do it, do do Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of a podcast. I'm the podcast and this is your host. Today, I have I have a special treat for us because uh, I found a couple years ago I tried to, I was like, I'm going to go through all these choose your own adventure books until I can complete one and get a good ending. And you know, that lasted obviously 10 minutes because anytime I do something like that, I'm like... I don't know. I this. I wonder why I never, I never finish anything. But then you start doing something, and you're like, I don't finish things because they're all terrible. Things are terrible. That's the main issue. So anyway, for like a hot minute, I was like, choose your own adventure. That's the way. And uh, gave up on that. But I have since been, you know, hitting the thrift store. As anyone who listened to the bonus episode for this month would know uh way too much about and i have found some knockoff choose your own adventures so uh we're going to try them today and uh they get more i put i put them in an order um the first one is it's i think it's published by the same people who published choose your own adventure and if it's not uh there's a lawsuit impending But this is called Your First Adventure, and it's Little Owl Leaves the Nest. And it's like 20 pages long. So my understanding of this is that it's probably a choose-your-own-adventure for like super-small children. So, uh, and you know, it starts with like, When you read your first adventure aloud to young children, start with page 2. That will set the scene and create a let's pretend mood. Then read page 3. Follow either of the two choices and continue the story to its happy ending. Um, You know, so this is like the lowest level. So I'm like, this I have to be able to get through this, right? I have to. And maybe it's a good warm-up. Okay, so here we go. Pretend you are a little owl and you live in a cozy nest in a big maple tree. And you don't have to spend your time doing things like mastering podcasts because, uh, you know, owls don't do that shit. One day, a blue balloon... Well, that's kind of tough. Aren't owls nocturnal? One day, a blue balloon gets caught in the branches of your tree. You really want that balloon, but you can't fly to get it because you don't know how. (laughs) Alright, the scene is set. Maybe you can walk along the branches to reach the balloon, or maybe your friend Squirrel will help you get it. If you want to get the balloon on your own, turn to page 4. If you want to ask Squirrel to help you, turn to page 10. I'm feeling like asking for help is the right move here, right? Uh, squirrel's nest looks empty. Now who will help me get the balloon, you ask? Oh, what? This looks like it. something is, has gone wrong. Because it's ten, eleven, and then do I just go to page 12? Or do I have to go back? Because the next page, we have Squirrel saying... It just goes, Squirrel leaps from branch to branch. Follow me, he calls. I can't jump that far, you say. Squirrel untangles the string. Here's the balloon, he says. You flap your wings as hard as you can. Then you're soaring through the air. You can fly. And you fly back to your cozy nest with the beautiful blue balloon. The end. Okay, so I think I did it. Uh, let's go back. If See if I took the other... Is there only one choice? Uh, If you want to do it yourself. Off you go to get the balloon. Is it behind the leaves? What do you think you're doing? Asks Robin. I was looking for a blue balloon, you say, but I found blue eggs instead. And then it goes to you tug and tug on the string. Squirrel's nest looks empty. This is confusing as hell. Okay, there's no way to die. I've just flipped through the entire thing. So the good news is I kind of did it, but something seems wrong with this. Something, something didn't quite go right. Uh, all right. There's only one choice to be made and it's really not even a choice, but also whoever wrote this, Marsha Leonard did a terrible job because it's like, you can't really, it doesn't make any fucking sense. There's only one diverging path. It was like, okay, I'm going to make a story with diverging paths. There's only one divergence where you get to make a choice. And uh, Marsha was like, I can't make this coherent. Doesn't seem that hard, Marsha. Okay. Well, here I have a knockoff. This is definitely not a sanctioned choose-your-own-adventure, but it's a uh, Supergirl. Which Way book number two, The Girl of Steel, um, number one, stars Superman, of course. So, you know, of course, this is kind of a thing with the thrift store, too. You're, not, you're never going to find Which Way book number one, Superman, The Man of Steel, that everyone wants. Instead, you're going to find Supergirl, The Girl of Steel. And uh, before anyone gets, you know, uptight about that, fuck off. Everybody knows Superman's the original Supergirl is not the original. Like, we don't... We don't want it. Uh, Even the great Tom King couldn't really save Supergirl for me. I tried. I've read the comics. Even when Supergirl was a weird, shape-shifting purple alien. Did you know that, guys? Before you go and defend Supergirl, she does have a great 1980s hairstyle, I'm gonna say. Looking for a... uh, Oh, 1984, there you go. Okay. Well, this is just telling me to make the... the, Not read it in order. In this book, you make the decisions for Supergirl. So I guess instead of being Supergirl, I'm making the decisions for... I'm playing God, very literally. Some of your choices might lead to victory for the Girl of Steel, others to defeat or doom. Of course, Supergirl herself would always make the correct choices to defeat the villains and save the day but here you control the girl of steel her fate is in your hands good luck i like that this is like just so you know you know this is non-canonical because if supergirl was in control of her own fate she wouldn't be a fuck up like you but she's not so she will all right so here we go except for the sound of pencils scratching busily on paper the classroom is silent Linda Danvers smiles to herself as she watches her her classmates work on their math tests. The exam period has only just begun, but Linda knows that she will have no problem finishing before time runs out. She has something none of the other students has. A super brain. (laughs) Pete is in the remedial class, but he knows he has something no one else does. A super brain. And that's only one of the advantages of being Supergirl, the mightiest girl on Earth. Uh, Unfortunately, she only makes eight cents on the dollar of Superman. She thinks as she gazes dreamily out the classroom window. I also get to see my cousin Superman all the time, and I miss Dan. Well, we just failed the Bechdel test, unfortunately, I think. I don't know if it counts. Is this character talking to another character about Superman or just thinking about Superman? Miss Danvers, a voice suddenly shouts, snapping Linda out of her daydream. Your fellow students are taking a test today. I suggest you join them. Uh, sorry, Mrs. Holmes, Linda replies meekly. I was, uh, just thinking. As the teacher stares sternly, Linda settles down to complete her exam. It's like, I'll show you, you stupid bitch. The answers are obvious to Linda, but she is careful to write slowly. She doesn't want to seem smarter than the other students. I mean, is it really that? horrible of an idea it you know oh this girl is somewhat bright obviously it's supergirl is anyone gonna go that route do we need to be that protective of i was just reading this uh very politically incorrect book by like a mad magazine artist from probably the 70s and uh there was like a zorro parody in it and zorro was in his alter ego his civilian life he was like a uh hairdresser and you know was flamboyantly gay and I was like you know that would actually be a really good disguise especially like back in the day because like I know you want to be low profile and fly under the radar but maybe like if there were other superheroes who existed and so you're like well we've all tried this hidden identity thing and eventually people figure it out because they're like who's the most generic person I know that person's probably a superhero Um, But then it's like, well, maybe I should be a little bit more out in the world, because then people will be like, well, if he's a superhero, he's not really doing a good job keeping a low profile in his other identity, right? I don't know. Maybe it would work. It's like the whole alter ego thing so that superheroes are relatable. I feel like that never really worked until Peter Parker, probably. Peter Parker, probably. Cause you know, he's like kind of a lovable loser he's a nerd. And you're like, well, I think having, you know, having a nerd, uh, a young white male nerd who is getting pushed around by the jocks in his school and doesn't have much success with ladies. Like if you wanted to come up with a character that comic book readers can relate to, it's probably the way to go anyway. But yeah, it's like maybe alter egos were designed to make kids feel not bad about being that way, about being little nerds who get pushed around because they're like, well, Spider-Man does too. So I'm pretty much like Spider-Man. And it's like, well, I mean, you're like Spider-Man in the least important aspect of Spider-Man. Sure. Like if you want to take the thing about Spider-Man that is least central to his character, yes. Yes. The answers are obvious to Linda, but she's careful to write slow. Halfway through the test, Linda hears a strange, faraway sound. None of the others seems to hear it. They continue writing, absorbed in their exam. Only Linda's superhearing can pick up the faint, mysterious sound. Slowly, the minutes tick by. Linda is curious about the strange sound and would like to switch to Supergirl to investigate, but finishing her exam at super speed might create suspicion. Oh fuck, I have three choices? If Linda finishes the exam at super speed and leaves, turn to page 3. If Linda decides to wait until the end of the exam period to investigate, turn to page 4. If Linda tells the teacher she doesn't feel well and asks to be excused, turn to page 5. I can go to page 5. That seems the most like what a superhero from this time would do. Linda walks to the front of the room and asks Mrs. Holmes if she may be excused. "'Certainly,' Mrs. Holmes answers. "'That is,' she adds with a note of suspicion, "'if you're sure that you're sick.' "'Oh, yes,' Linda says as she edges her way out of the classroom door. "'Just as she is about to walk out, Mrs. Holmes calls her back. "'Linda, dear, don't forget your pass to the nurse's office,' Mrs. Holmes says coolly. "'Linda gulps, realizing that a stop in the nurse's office "'will delay her investigation of the mysterious sound. "'So I can go to the nurse's office, page 30.' Or leave school and search for the sound, page 9. What's more important? Well, okay. If I just leave, if I go to the nurse's office and, like, some kid gets killed and I'm like, well, I'm trying to maintain a secret identity here, that would feel shitty, right? So I think I'm going to risk it. Just go for the sound. Uh Uh-oh. I hate to do this, Linda thinks as she sneaks through the halls of her school, but I can't risk anyone finding out about my secret identity, Besides, she adds, that humming noise sounds very suspicious. Couldn't I just go to wherever the noise is at super speed and it's like, well, the time it would take a normal to get to the... Okay, whatever. Linda follows the sound to the library and focuses her x-ray vision on the closed door. Inside, she sees an old man crouched over an open book. Uh Uh-oh. He's using a strange-looking machine to dot, dot, dot. I mean, this is a very uh, common experience in the library setting. No need to get upset. He's using a strange looking machine to project a blue ray onto the book. A blue ray. Dr. Scudder, the absent minded physics professor, Linda thinks. I know he thinks he's an inventor or something, but this time it looks like he's up to no good. It's time for Supergirl to make an appearance. All he's doing is shooting a book with a ray. Who gives a shit? Also, what kind of high school is like a physics professor? That what kind of physics professor... Do you, do you need to have, like, a doctorate in physics to teach at a high school? Seems like overkill. Linda rushes into an empty classroom, changes into Supergirl, and returns to the library. Quietly, she opens the door and slowly approaches the old man. Ah, welcome, he says. You are just in time. You are the volunteer, no? Dr. Scudder asks. <laughs> well, okay, this is from 1984. So maybe this is a guy in his 60s who's a scientist who's maybe uh, come to the country another way. You are a volunteer, no? Dr. Scudder asks, squinting from behind his thick glasses in the dim blue light. Supergirl guesses he has mistaken her for someone else. You are just in time to test my greatest invention, the fantasy generator. It will instantly transport you to a world based on a famous work of literature. Things will be different from the book, but it won't hurt a bit. Okay. Before Supergirl can make a move, Dr. Scudder points the machine at Supergirl and the blue light surrounds her. As she fades away, she hears Scudder's voice a final time. Have a good time, Dorothy. I don't know if that was like a mocking or whatever. Who volunteered for this? Hey, come meet the weirdo uh, physics teacher and his cl- kids. If any kids are out there or if anyone out there is responsible for kids. When the eccentric physics professor asks you to come to a classroom alone to volunteer for a special project, don't. Seconds later, Supergirl finds herself standing inside a deserted farmhouse. Outside, she hears the sound of high-pitched, joyous laughter. You know what's dumb about this book, among other things? When you're reading a Superman comic, you don't have to read the word Superman that often um, because, you know, a lot of the a lot of the exposition is shown and it's not like Superman does this. Superman does that. It's, you know, I do this or he does that. But this book kind of has to do it. So you have to read the world word Supergirl a lot and it just sounds so stupid. Like Superman would sound equally stupid. It's just a dumb thing. "'Uncertainly, Supergirl opens the farmhouse door "'and sees three little men in pointed blue hats "'dancing merrily. "'When they see Supergirl, they begin to applaud. "'You landed your house on the Wicked Witch of the East,' "'they shout happily. "'We munchkins of Oz, thank you.' "'Oh no,' Supergirl groans as she realizes where she is. "'I'm in the land of Oz. "'I've got to get out of here.' "'You'd better,' one of the munchkins says, "'because the Wicked Witch of the West "'is probably very angry with you.' "'Only the wizard can help, "'and he lives in the Emerald City.' Lucky for me, I've read this book, Supergirl thinks. Dorothy followed the Yellow Brick Road all the way to Emerald City. But then, Dorothy couldn't just fly there. Uh, If Supergirl follows the Yellow Brick Road, turn to 81. If she flies towards the Emerald City, turn to 115. Well, I think follow the road is the right choice here, right? I mean, I guess get a cup of water on the way. But, you know, whatever. Oh, she starts off down the Yellow Brick Road after a few hours. I thought she was going to, like, fly... At super speed, 10 feet above the yellow brick road. That was kind of what I intended. Not to just fly, fucking walk like a regular girl. After a few hours, she enters a dense forest. As she examines the exotic plant life growing there, she accidentally strays off the road. Soon she realizes that she is lost. Supergirl is standing before a huge field of red poppies. The sweet-smelling flowers seem to stretch for miles, but with her telescopic vision... Supergirl can see the yellow brick road on the other side. Uh, If Supergirl walks through the field to get to the yellow brick road, turn to page 112. If Supergirl flies over the field, turn to 35. All right, I'm going to fly over this time. Fuck it. Uh Uh-oh. Supergirl leaps into the sky over the poppy field. As she looks towards the blazing red sun in the west, she notices hundreds of six-foot winged monkeys flying towards her. Supergirl gulps. She knows that those savage creatures follow the order of the Wicked Witch of the West. With their huge and powerful wings, the monkeys fly up alongside Supergirl in moments. The witch wants to see you, the largest one says, as the others surround the Girl of Steel. Will you come along quietly? Uh, If Supergirl fights the winged monkeys, turn to 49. If Supergirl lets the monkeys take her to the witch, turn to 56. I do kind of want to just punch these monkeys. I feel like Supergirl could handle... You know, even like a dozen flying monkeys or so. Oh, there's hundreds of them? Alright, let's just go to the the fucking castle or wherever the witch is, huh? Uh, two-winged monkeys grab Supergirl. I, I just said I was going to come with you. What the fuck? Grab Supergirl and begin to fly west towards the old gray castle of the Wicked Witch of the West. You know, if she's in the west, couldn't instead of laying an entire brick road of... Yellow, couldn't they have just been like, here's a compass, if you go west, that's probably where she's going to be unless this is a clever name to keep her somewhere else. The monkeys take Supergirl into a large, dimly lit room. A strange golden cap hangs on one wall. When the witch enters and points a gnarled finger at Supergirl, the monkeys hunch over in fear. You destroyed my sister, the witch screeches, and for that I will destroy you. Trying to avoid the witch's horribly evil stare, Supergirl's eyes wander nervously about the room and fix on a bucket of water in the corner. Suddenly she remembers the way to get rid of the witch. What are you staring at? The witch screams. Uh, If Supergirl decides to eliminate the witch, turn to page 98. If Supergirl answers the witch's question, turn to 91. Oh, we're going to eliminate. I like how they use the term eliminate. If you're going to murder the witch, whatever, go for it. Supergirl grabs the bucket and tosses it at the witch. The water splashes over her, and with a shriek of terror, the witch melts away. Soon all that remains is a crumpled witch's hat and a big black puddle. The winged monkeys are speechless. (laughs) They're like, that was fucked. That's the most fucked up thing I've ever seen. As Supergirl takes the golden cap off the wall and places it on her head. In the book, you monkeys obey the wearer of this cap, she says. So take me to the Emerald City to meet the wizard. The monkeys are happy to help Supergirl and soon she's in the wizard's throne room telling him her, him her story. Telling him her story. Please, wizard, Supergirl pleads. I've destroyed the Wicked Witch of the West. Now I want to go home. The wizard says nothing, so Super... This is bullshit. This book is just like, what if we use the plot of The Wizard of Oz? We don't even have to come up with a story because we just magic Supergirl into a book. By the way, a character from a book into a book. The wizard says nothing, so Supergirl uses her x-ray vision to look inside the wizard head. Professor Scudder, the absent-minded science teacher, is at the wizard's control. Okay, Professor, Supergirl shouts, come on out, it's time to go home. Meekly, Scudder emerges from the wizard head. He holds the ray machine in his hand. Without saying a word, he points it at Supergirl. If Supergirl destroys the ray machine, turn to 94 if Supergirl lets Scudder fire the ray at her 109. I feel like we have to get shot with it, because otherwise wouldn't we be stuck in here forever? Supergirl stands motionless as the strange blue rays wash over her again. One second she's lost in darkness, and the next she's back in the library. Professor Scudder, Supergirl calls out, but there's no reply. On the floor, Supergirl finds the library's copy of The Wizard of Oz. On a scrap of paper inside the book, Supergirl finds a note. I like this place so much I decided to stay. This is in all caps. It's fun to be the wizard, Professor Scudder. Oh well, Supergirl thinks. At least I'm back. For me, there's no place like home. The end. I did it. I think I did it. I success? There's one thing I know. It's my Supergirl. You're all the Supergirl I need, honey. Okay. I've got one more. Uh, This is a... Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back Choose Your Own Adventure. Uh, it's got a sweet hologram on the front that looks like kind of like shit. And I can't tell if it looks like shit because uh, it always looked like shit or if it's because it's super old. I figured this one seems to be the one that I have like the best chance of winning, right? Because it's like I've seen the fucking movie. So, you know. It would stand to reason that I could success with this. Also, there's free micro machines. Uh, see inside for details. I didn't see the micro machines in here. I don't know where the details are. All right. Here we go. The Empire Strikes Back. Don't read this book straight through. I know that. It's cold, freezing, in fact. You can't believe that a planet as frozen as Hoth exists in your universe. See, here's the question. Because this is what Choose Your Own Adventure, the official books, I think the mistake or the flaw in them is that the decisions are very arbitrary. You know, I've tried to, like, do them by following certain things. I'm like, what would... If this was trying to teach me a lesson, what would it be trying to do? You know, or stuff like that. And then I'm like, okay... If this is uh, trying to do this, what would it do if this trying to do that? But it's just arbitrary. And it has you make dumb, pointless decisions. It's like, if you put on a blue coat, go to this page. If you put on a red jacket, windbreaker, go to this page. And it's like, well, what's the fucking difference? How am I supposed to know what the ramifications of those different decisions will be? So I'm, I'm curious to see if Star Wars will be... Exactly that way or different. You can't believe a planet as frozen as Hoth exists in your universe. You do not want to go back outside, but you chose this life. You were born and raised far away on a planet Tatooine, a dust ball where moisture farming is big business and where twin suns shine every day. But you and your best friend Luke Skywalker always wanted to be fighter, fighter pilots, not moisture farmers. Who am I? Does this say at the beginning? dash rendar should i just assume that i'm dash rendar uh you pause for a minute and remember the remarkable events that changed your life so completely not long ago you and luke had a chance to retaste to taste excitement when you were drawn into the rebellion against the evil empire during your adventures you were joined by the aging jedi <laughs> ben kenobi why do you have to call him aging that's not very kind a young rebel leader named Princess Leia, a roguish intergalactic smuggler, roguish, named Han Solo, and his first mate, the Wookiee Chewbacca, as well as a pair of droids, the way this is in the book, it looks like Wookiee Chewbacca, Wookiee is his first name and Chewbacca is his last name, as well as a pair of droids called R2-D2 and C-3PO. With this mismatched crew, you and Luke help lead the rebellion to an important victory, Luke himself fired the blast that destroyed the Death Star, the Empire's most fearsome weapon. Learn more on page 53? Jesus Christ. This is just having me, like, flip around just for fun. However, the war against evil is far from over. Tell me about it. If only you knew. This random side character. The Rebel Alliance had to abandon its secret base despite its victory when the Imperial Starfleet followed the Millennium Falcon to Yavin 4. Woof. <sighs> this is a lot of Star Wars nonsense for me, and launched an offensive that the Rebel fleet could not hope to win. You're now a member of Rogue Squadron, a division of X-Wing fighter pilots hidden at a secret base on the ice planet Hoth. Luke is the squadron leader, sure. Luke and the other Rebel leaders have realized that the Empire will be searching for you all. As part of the setup for Hoth security, sensors must be hidden all around the Rebel base. Along with Luke and Han Solo, you venture, You can just say Han. I know who we're talking about. Is there another Han in Star Wars I should be aware of? You volunteered to plant these sensors. You're standing in the hangar bay next to Luke when Han Solo saunters over and interrupts your thoughts. Let's go, folks, he says. It's a little early, but we've got a lot of sensors to place today. I'll get the Tauntaun saddled, you say. Great! Han cries sarcastically, we can all work on our suntans. Don't forget the heavy-duty underwear, kids. What an asshole. Like, come on, get to work. And then I'm like, okay, I will. And he's like, nice job, fucker. Outside the base, the three of you ride tauntauns, large, leathery-skinned animals well-suited to the cold on off, which have a noticeable seam running up their center, almost as if designed to be split open. Uh, during the day at least at, at night Hoth's surface isn't fit for any living thing except perhaps the horrible Wampa ice creatures foreshadowing do you really need to foreshadow something in a movie that came out let's see what year did this book come out it looks like it was probably the 90s This book features a special 3d hologram as a one of a time one of a kind collector's edition this came out in 1998 for like 20 years ago this movie came out and it was like don't worry there might be a wampa like what if this who on earth was this their first star wars experience you know what i mean i could kind of see somebody being at kmart and seeing a star wars toy and they're like that's their first sort of like what is this experience but a choose your own adventure star wars empire strikes back in 1998 that seems highly unlikely You, Luke, and Han split up and spend several hours planting sensors. After a while, you regroup to check on each other's progress. This is thrilling so far, by the way. Have either of you picked up any life readings so far, Luke asks. All I'm picking up are saddle sores, you mutter, shifting uncomfortably on top of your (laughs) tauntaun. High five Han Solo, because he's like, nice, bro. I came across a carcass, looked a couple of days old, Han says. Probably killed by one of those wampa. They'll go after anything they can find. Listen, we've all placed our sensors, and I'm cold. I'm going back to the base. You two coming? I saw a meteorite come down not far from here, and I want to check it out first. It won't take long, Luke replies. What about you, Han asks you. If you stick with Luke and try to find the meteorite, turn to page 66. If you go with Han to the warm Rebel base, turn to 84. Okay. So this is, here's the thing. I think what I should try to do in this book is maintain the narrative of uh, Empire Strikes Back as closely as possible. Some random guy being with Han Solo changes the story less than some random guy being with Luke Skywalker, right? So I'm going to the nice warm rebel base. Even though it kind of seems like it's telling me like, that's the worst choice, but okay. You return to the base with Han. Shortly after you reach it, night falls. Outside the wind... This is really, like, a lot of reading. This is... Whoever made these was like, I'm gonna make kids fucking read. I hate kids. I'm gonna punish them. (laughs) Outside, the wind whips ice across the surface of Hoth, and the temperature has dropped so low that the air is barely breathable. Nothing could survive out here very long. Nothing could survive out here very long. As you change clothes in your quarters, there is a knock at the door. Enter, you call. The door slides open to reveal Princess Leia on the other side. Behind her, see 3 po and R2-D2 stand in the corridor. Princess, you say, have you come to join me for dinner? But even as you ask, you notice that Leia looks worried. <laughs> Are you coming to go on a date with me? I can only assume that that's why you would be here. That's my best guess. So uh let me know if that's correct in three, two, one, go. Uh have you seen Luke since you came back? she asks. No, you reply, a little upset because you're like, She came all the way to my place. I thought we were gonna have a hot time, and then she's like, So this other guy. No, you reply, we didn't come back together. He wanted to check out some meteorite he saw come down. He's probably with Han. What a fucking nerd, right? Baby I mean, would you really be in- I wonder if anyone would be interested in space. Like, would people have telescopes if we were exploring space, or would they be like, fuck that shit? Boring. Uh, I've been trying to reach Han, but he doesn't answer. I haven't spoken to anyone who's seen Luke since this morning, Leah says with concern. Leah says with concern. I have a meeting right now. Could you? And I have to help her on page 101. She has a meeting. So, you know, she couldn't do anything. No problem, you say. I'm sure Han is tinkering with the Falcon again. I'll tell you know him. I'll see if he knows where Luke is. We'll accompany you, C-3PO says. Oh, great. My best companions. Why didn't they send the droids out to look for Luke? Couldn't, wouldn't they be fine in the cold? And even if they, like, froze, couldn't you just, like, unfreeze them and they would be fine? Isn't that how droid works? You hurry off while the droids hustle to keep up. 3PO is constantly complaining, as always, and R2 beeps angrily at him. Don't you try to blame me, R2. I didn't actually ask you to turn on the heating system. I merely commented that it was freezing in the princess's chamber, 3PO says. I really don't know how we're going to try out all her clothes, 3PO says sadly. What? What? As R2 argues with 3PO, you turn as they have their little comedy bit in the background. You tune out their conversation. Soon you enter the hangar. Across the bay, you see Chewbacca on top of the Falcon and Han Solo standing under the ship. You took what part? Han yells up to Chewie. What are you doing fine-tuning the hyperdrive now? Look at that mess. Are you crazy? As Chewbacca growls in an angry response, you approach Han. He sees you coming with the droids and spins around to confront you. Now what? He barks. You know... How come they can travel through space, but they're like, oh, this planet's really cold. Like, we can't, we don't have any way to travel through a very cold planet. We do have a way to travel around in much colder space. Leia has been trying to reach you on your CommLink, you tell him. I turned my CommLink off, he says. I don't want to talk to her anymore. It's bad for my disposition. What a grout's. Well, if you had it on, you say, angry with Han. Well, if you did have it on, you'd know that Princess is concerned about Luke. Nobody knows where he is. What do you mean, nobody knows, Han says, suddenly serious. He was only a couple of minutes behind us when we rode in. That was more than two hours ago. My point exactly, you say. Deck officer, Han yells. Deck officer. The officer rushes over. Yes, sir, Captain Solo. Has Commander Skywalker come back? Han asks sharply. Commander Skywalker hasn't come through the main shield door. It's possible he came through the south entrance, the deck officer replies. It's possible, Han yells. It's possible? Why don't you go and find out, you suggest to the officer. It's already dark and getting colder every minute, Han adds angrily. Do you like how it's like I'm Han Solo's little bitch helper? Everybody on this base definitely hates me. Because they're like, yeah, he just stands there and is like, You heard, Mr. Solo. Go do the thing. This is, I still, I think I've only made one choice so far. A few seconds later, the deck officer returns. Sir, Commander Skywalker hasn't come in. This is taking also a lot of pages. I'm like, am I ever going to get to the end of this? Also, Empire Strikes Back ends on kind of a down note. So is it really possible to end this in a way that's, like, bad? Uh, nobody's heard of, from him since before you came in. You and Han stare at each other. We have to go after him, you say. Han nods. He turns, <laughs> he takes out a measuring tape and sizes you up and he's just like, I'm just seeing whether a relatively small man could fit inside your body, like a sleeping bag. Don't worry about it. Um, Han nods. He turns to the deck officer and asks, have the techs got those snow speeders working? The Falcons in pieces. We don't have anything that can fly in a Hoth blizzard, sir, the officer replies. Those winds would smash you down before you got halfway to... All right, Han snaps, forget it. Tauntauns, you ask? Tauntauns, Han replies. But your tauntauns will freeze before the first marker, the deck officer argues. Even with ins- insulated suits on, if you end up on foot, you're dead. Maybe, you say. But if we don't go, Luke will definitely die out there all alone. Yeah. Definitely. Ooh, illustration of me and Han Solo finding Luke in the snow, I think. A short time later, you and Han ride your tauntauns out of the base and into the raging blizzard. Between the snow and the dark, it's hard to see anything. You try to reach out with what little skill and the force you have learned. What? What? This is the first I'm hearing of this. After three minutes, you can't feel your hands, feet, or face anymore. I'm trying to feel for Luke, but I can't feel my own body. Every time you cry out Luke's name, your throat feels frozen. Um, let it go. Luke, you shout, ignoring the cold. Tauntauns aren't doing too well, Han tells you. He's right. The Tauntauns are wheezing and slowing down in the cold. They won't survive for long. Luke, Han cries, Luke! Then you sense something to your left. You turn. Dimly, you make out a spot on the ice darker than the rest, a spot that doesn't move what would be moving s- luke you shout both you and han jump off your tauntauns and run to luke's side he's delirious thinking you or han must be his old friend ben kenobi luke speak to me kid han says get him to sit up you suggest so cold so cold luke mumbles warmer now want to go to sleep <laughs> want to just die okay uh, I'm tired of reading this. Oh, finally, a fucking choice. I was like, I'm just gonna skip to the next choice. But here we go. Warmer, you ask? No, Luke, that means you're freezing. Fight it! Don't go to sleep on shouts. Whatever you do, stay awake. Come on, give me a sign, kid. Like, they don't even have fucking those, uh, you know, warm, hot hands or something. Suddenly, Hans Tauntaun cries out weakly and falls over. What now, Han snaps. We'll never make it back, the three of us on one tauntaun. Grab Luke's lightsaber. Cut my tauntaun open. Get in there and keep him warm until we can set up an emergency shelter. You're not sure Han's plan is going to work, but you also wonder whether you could survive the trek back to the base on foot. I mean, yeah, if you go along with Han's plan, turn to page 12. if you argue with Han, turn to page 36. Can't I argue and do it? Well, obviously, I'm going to cut the tauntaun open. You stare at Han for a moment, unwilling to cut open the beast. Yeah, it's got these white little balloons inside. It's disgusting. Get to it, Han orders. It's going to feel disgusting. Oh, there you go, and smell even worse. But it'll keep Luke alive while we set up the emergency shelter. You follow his instructions, even as you cut open the dead tauntaun. The other falls over onto the snow. He probably passed out because he's like, "Oh my God, that's what the- they're stuffing him inside." Just realize that the movie Midsummer is basically a, uh, Star Wars takeoff parody thing. Just figured that out. Uh, you feel sorry for the beasts, but you concentrate on saving Luke's life and making sure you and Han live to see the morning. Together, you set up the emergency shelter and move Luke into it. You climb in after him, hoping your combined body heat and the shelter's own reserves will keep you warm until morning. You are exhausted and drained by exposure to the cold. It isn't long before you drift off to sleep. Oh, God. Okay, let's do this. Classic, classic speed reading technique. I'm going to do the first and last paragraph. You wake in the... You know what? Where was the option to, like... Uh. There was the option to tell Han to go fuck himself. Yeah, 36. Uh oh, Luke will die if we don't head back, Han, you insist. Han glances angrily at you. He's not going to die. He drags Luke toward the surviving Tauntaun. Don't just stand there whistling, he barks. <laughs> I don't, where did you hear that tune? I don't know, man. Um he's not going uh help him get up there. "'You t- together you sling Luke over the Tauntaun's back, "'then you pause, staring at the beast. "'There's no way both of you can fit up there with Luke. "'Listen, Han,' you say quickly. "'I can try to use the force to keep myself warm. "'Get—what? "'Since when? "'Get up there with Luke and I'll follow on foot. "'I didn't know you could do that,' he says. "'Neither do I, you admit. "'But it's our only hope.' "'What?' "'Han gets on the Tauntaun's back behind Luke "'and heads towards the base.' You tap into the force as best you can, trying desperately to create warmth from nothing. As fast as you can, you follow Han on the Tauntaun. Your efforts warm you, but slowly the cold seeps in. Your focus starts to slip, then you stumble upon the second Tauntaun, dead in the snow, with Luke and Han pinned under it, unmoving. Your will to fight the cold gives out. You follow meter away from Han and you don't get up again. (laughs) That's great. So, yeah, it seems like it would have worked, you know, if I had just gone along with the plans here. Uh, Let's see. But the Tauntaun falls on the ground. Okay, you drift off to sleep. Then it went to page 19. You'll be warm soon. Go to page 3. Sounds like trouble. Page 44. Just like navigating this entire thing to see. Turn to page 64. This is a, a real trick to get kids to read, and I don't appreciate it. If you go with Luke and fly a snowspeeder against the walkers, turn to page 40. If you decide to help with the evacuation, turn to page 81. Bitch, I'm part of Rogue Rogue Squadron. Of course I'm flying a snowspeeder. Find out on page 108. keep fighting on page seven good lord turn to page 30 they just gave up at this point they're like whatever close call get to page 76 uh okay where what are we doing oh i'm on i'm on uh, yoda's planet can't even remember what that's called that's that's a shame dagobah Oh, Yoda shows up. If you run, turn to page 96. If you stay calm, turn to 106. Well, that's fucking Yoda. He's like a little shriveled old man. Apologize on page 117. I don't have a choice but to apologize here. Oh, there's Micro Machines information. Get your free Micro machine Star Wars toy. Okay, I don't want to. Uh, Could it be Ben? Find out on page 83. If you go into the cave turn to page 10 if you refuse to enter turn to page 90 that was the scariest part of that movie when he saw his dead face in the darth vader hat go to page 92 leave dagobah on page 94 uh if you go to save the others turn to page 16 if you go with luke to battle vader turn to page 31 i feel like 16 is the closest to maintaining the uh the story Hurry to page 46. This must be thrilling to listen to. Go to page 14. Jesus Christ. Flip to page 22. Turn to page 5. Oh, really? Go to page 58. Oh, I was fighting uh, Boba Fett. Look at that. This is probably the basis for uh, The Mandalorian. 25. This just has you flipping around like, okay, I know just where he is. This is the last page. He's hanging on to something on the underside of Cloud City. He's in pain, but he's hanging on. Seconds later, you spot Luke hanging upside down from what seems to be a weather vane. Whatever the fuck that thing was at the end of Empire. You and Lando go to the topside hatch of the Falcon. As Han holds the ship steady, you lower Luke inside. He's badly injured, even missing a hand, but you've got him now. Soon the ship blasts into hyperspace. In no time, you and the others have rejoined the Rebel Alliance. Luke is quickly fitted for a new mechanical hand to replace the one he lost while battling Vader. The battle with the Empire continues, but that is another story, the end. So I can make it through that one in a manner of speaking, but in another way I can't because it's too much fucking reading. Uh, and, you know, mama, Pete's mama didn't raise no chump-ass punk who's going to read. When he could watch a movie A good movie by the way Not like some piece of shit So like why Why read the book instead It's not like Any Which Way But Loose Which does have a novelization Alright everybody We'll see you next time